Why are police photographing our license plate? What are we doing for veterans returning home damaged physically and mentally, suffering from depression, homelessness, and suicide? Why did the Supreme Court deposit corporate money into our electoral process? Should we redefine middle class as working poor? Or is it just another Wall Street merger? What's really behind new voter picture ID laws in certain states? Why aren't NBC, ABC, CBS, and Fox asking these questions? Welcome to the Reasonable Voice radio show. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice. The mission of the Reasonable Voice is to connect the dots between politics and finance, the need for better and more affordable education, our humanity, world peace, and, of course, the arts, which we then gladly provide our listeners, the voting public, as informative food for thought to provoke their self-determination and appetite for equal economic opportunity and justice for all without truth decay. The Reasonable Voices are advocates prioritizing education, preserving our history, leading by example for a peaceful and prosperous world by evoking and embracing both creative artists and political unity as solutions to our challenges. Good afternoon. I'm Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, hosting the Reasonable Voices talk radio program. I have two wonderful guests today, Joe Van Kirkhoff and Lee Fernside. I met both recently at Walter Reed Hospital, which is always a joy. I don't always get to meet my radio guests before or after our broadcast, but we did have the opportunity to meet Joe and Lee, and um, my artist wife has worked with them, as a matter of fact. So, Joe Van Kirkhoff and Lee Fernside are with the EVAC Project, which documents, interprets, and preserves veterans' stories. Remembering how difficult it was to get my Uncle Gino and my father to ever talk about war, I think EVAC is an, an extremely valuable educational project for the public. That's my opinion. EVAC Project and Inc. is a 501c3 organization, by the way. So, first of all, welcome, Joe. How are you? I'm good. How about yourself? I'm great, too. Thank you. And you, Lee, how are you doing? I'm doing very well. Thanks for having us on. Oh, it's my pleasure. Let's tell them a little more about you. Joe is an assistant professor of art and director of the Diane Kidd Gallery at Tiffin University in, of course, Tiffin, Ohio. He holds an MFA in printmaking from Indiana University and a BFA from the Columbus College of Art and Design. Joseph's work incorporates various printmaking techniques, both traditional and experimental, and they express his own personal experiences. We'll ask him about that later. Joe's artworks have been exhibited in a variety of venues, nationally and internationally. He is represented by Harris Stanton Gallery in Cleveland and Akron, Ohio. Now for Lee. Lee Fernside has curated group exhibitions around themes of sustainability, diversity, food systems, and art from Ohio prisons, funded in part by grants from the Ohio Arts Council and the Ohio Humanities Council. Her photographic work has been exhibited in galleries in New England, the Midwest, and in national juried shows. Fernside earned a BA from Smith College a MFA in photography from the Rhode Island School of Design, and a MS in Arts Administration from Drexel University. 
Using storytelling and art, EVAC bridges the gap between civilians and veterans by educating the public about life in the military. Well, welcome again, uh, Joe and Lee. I'm so glad to have an opportunity to speak with you, especially after I met you, to speak with you on radio. So let's get to it. Tell us what inspired your launching and the Experiencing Veterans and Artists Collaboration Project. Joe, why don't you start us off? It kind of started off with a conversation between me and Lee. Uh, it was a project that I was going to have my uh, students actually partake in. And after speaking with Lee, uh, we decided to actually take it a step further and include professional artists and expand it to a more nationwide audience. And uh, it's kind of evolved from there. And Lee, so, go so ahead. what our um, motivation was, that we, we both observed that our student veterans were isolated from their peers. You know, they, mm. they were typically older, obviously, but they also had really different experiences and their peers didn't seem like they were able to have, bridge the gap. Mm-hmm. So as artists, we were thinking, how can we help people bridge this gap? Mm. You know, we have an all volunteer military and fewer and fewer families have um, people who are in the military Mm -hmm. so there's not a lot of experience in the civilian population with what life in the military is about and there's also not a lot of opportunities for artists to be able to give back and use their art in a direct way like this project offers so yeah it was through our conversations that joe and i came up with this idea and we thought well let's try it and see if it works and here we are a year later. Exactly. Only a year and you've done so much, my goodness. I thought you were, wow, yeah. only a year. That's impressive. Of course, I know more about you than they do right now, but we're going to tell them more. I've always felt that um, if there are two, two segments of the population that we don't hear enough about or from, it's veterans and artists. Um, and so it was, combining the two, I think, was ingenious. And, 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 and it, makes, it makes perfect sense. But I wanted to throw this out just as my opinion. I think with the the overwhelming media coverage of current events, we often forget, because you mentioned, Lee, you know, very there are fewer and fewer families who are actually directly involved with family members and friends in war. And yet we've got some wars going on for a long time, and, you know, they don't appear in the, uh, in the headlines very much, and I think people forget. So I just want to throw out 1% of the population is directly involved in the military these days, and the 99% of us that are not need to pay attention, and EVAC is an excellent way to do that. So, having said all of that, so you two alone, or are there more, started interviewing veterans and uh, about their experience? And uh, first of all, that's a question. Lee? Was it just the two of you interviewing or others? So we have another collaborator, um, John Shoup, who is actually a chemistry professor. Hmm. And he had started an all-veterans program at Cleveland State before he came to Tiffin University. Yes. So he came on board in the project in the early stages as well, and he did a lot of the interviewing, mm-hmm. in part because he has um, contacts. Yes. Lots of different 
veterans organizations. And it was really great to have his perspective as well as a non-artist. You know, it's one yes. thing for the two of us, Joe and I, as artists have certain ideas, but it's great to have a collaborator with a different perspective. And then, Joe, where did the artists fit in? Where, where did they come in? As far as the project itself? The or? Pro, this process. You First, you interview veterans. They tell you about their experiences. And then how then, do you find the artists and what do you do then? As far as finding the artists, it's a lot of research. So researching, kind of finding artists that are either... We wanted to make sure that they were professional artists, that they were handling the stories with some sort of care. Um, we didn't want to just reach out to anybody. They're all printmaking artists because with the addition, we're creating five. Two of those five are for exhibition purposes. One actually goes back to the vet as a thank you for sharing his experience and his story. Mm -hmm. And then the other two we're auctioning off to raise money for a uh, charity that the veteran actually identifies. Oh, wow. So I am so uh, fascinated by and impressed and inspired by what uh, EVAC does. So how, okay, so we have interviewed the veteran. He has told his story. It is recorded, yes? Yes. And then the artist that you have researched is chosen by what criteria? Uh, how, does you, how do you well, match up? Well, as far as matching up, we really don't try to match artists with kind of what the artist is doing, mainly mm -hmm. because we found that in doing that, it never works out. Hmm. Um, again, because you're looking at someone kind of interpreting a story, and we don't know what part of the story they're going to gravitate towards. Are they going to gravitate towards a specific moment? Or are they going to try to capture it as an overall experience? So as far as that goes, there's really no way to tell what the artist is actually going to give us as far mm -hmm. as an image so finding the artist we sh i send an email and they respond back whether they want to participate or not and once they participate we then send them the audio along with the transcript mm -hmm. and we usually give them around four four to five months to create the addition of five wow okay and some artists um with some artists, we do match somewhat deliberately. Um, there was one interview with an Air Force vet who did analysis of surveillance images, and the artist that we matched had very meticulous, very detailed, multi-layered images. Mm -hmm. And we thought, ah, he would really probably love this story. Um, other artists have requested specific eras, perhaps because of their own family connections. Mm -hmm. Um, but there are times when it is just, okay, we're just going to take a chance and see what the artist does. And very often, Joe and I, when we get the images back, we'll be like, huh, we never expected that. Yes. And that is, you know, kind of the beauty of yes. the artistic interpretation. Exactly. So, okay, so now we have the veteran's story recorded and transcribed, I presume. And uh, we have the artist who has expressed an interest what then, how do you connect the artist with the with the veteran initially? Uh, we actually keep the artist and the veteran kind of separated until the actual artwork is delivered to the veteran. Um, but you give so the, in, but you give the artist what to work on? The actual audio? Yes, okay. and and transcript. Okay. So they have an audio and trans 
script of the interview with the veteran, they listen to it, and then they create. Is that right, Lee? Correct. Correct. Okay. Yeah. And the interviews are, some of them are short, 20 minutes, and some of them are almost two hours. So it, it really depends. Um, we do have a set of questions that we kind of start the conversation with. Mm-hmm. Um, but some veterans have had kind of their own agenda of what they have wanted to talk about, and that's sure. totally fine. And we really believe that sending the audio is important because, as we know, conversation, right, tone of voice, pauses, can say so much that you wouldn't get from just written text. Yes. So that, I think, is important for the artist to be able to hear. You anticipated my next question, Lee. I was going to ask the length of the recordings and the interviews that the artist will be uh, listening to. But then my next question, uh, Joe, is... What what's the age range of your veterans? Uh, in other words, how how many wars back do we do? Are you able to uh, reach veterans for this? Uh, all the way back to World War Two, ah. and up to current, mm-hmm. post nine eleven. So <clears throat> the whole range. <laughs> do you um, have you uh, is have you gone out of your way, for lack of a better phrase, uh, to make certain that as many uh, wars and and the veterans thereof can be represented in this project. Yes. Okay. Um, and there's some gaps that we have that we're trying to currently fill with specific wars, just so that we kind of are aware of kind of all of those kind of situations that we're trying to actually cover as far as preserving those stories. Okay. Again, with a little uh, insider information, there are times when, for whatever reason. The, the veteran who has made this recording story may not reach the artist until the veteran has actually died. How, how do, do you get a different sort of reaction from the artist, or does that happen often? I mean, I would think in the case of World War II veterans, that would be um, more possible, but I guess not, because people often do not survive war so that could be happening even now what what are your what are your experiences with with that lee um well you know we had uh, we recently partnered with the northwest ohio veterans oral history project which is out of the rutherford b hayes presidential center mm-hmm. um and some of the stories we got from them included um, people who had died, or in one case, the the participating veteran died. Uh, Joe, did he die just before we found the artist, or maybe a week or two before? It was right after. It was right after I listened to it. Yeah, so it was before the artist okay. actually received it. Mm. So that must. So um, we, in one case, when we gave the the veteran's print back to his family. Um, Because we still try to connect, you know, connect with the family. They they were really excited. They felt like it was a tribute to their father um, and that it touched on things that they had forgotten about some of what he had told them. Um, But, Joe, do we actually tell the artists if veterans are alive or not? No. I mean, I think think a lot of them, especially the World War II ones, they are, uh, I think they assume 
that they may have passed on. Um, I mean, I know a couple of them, once I sent out like images of them with us giving them the prints, they were kind of shocked that they were still alive. And in some cases, the artist I don't know necessarily has a urge to reach out to mm -hmm. them. I mean, in some cases, I think they want to reach out. In some cases, they don't. Yes. I guess for every artist and every veteran, we're we're all individuals. Whether we even if, even if uh, media tries to lump us into categories or politics and you know demographics, we are all individuals. And I will say. Um, it's beautiful what you two are doing. It's beautiful what EVAC is, and that um, it's beautiful that the now 1% who are fighting these wars and those who were the greatest generation and not, you know, everybody is, is hearing their story in a way that is so personal, uh, so artistic, so creative, that I would imagine families are as pleased as I am. Okay, we better take a break. We'll be right back. We are talking with Joseph Van Kirkhoff and Lee Fernside. And we're talking about the EVAC project. Stay with us. And now, enjoy Watchfire Music, featuring vocal artist Julia Wade singing Beautiful from her new CD, Sunday Morning. Oh, sing unto the Lord Welcome back to the Reasonable Voices Talk Radio Program. My guests today are Joe Van Kirkhoff and Lee Fernside of the EVAC Project. And we've been talking a great deal about this combination of veterans telling their stories via, you know, audio recording and then having that story transcribed and then giving that to artists that Lee and Joe find and the artists then creating their interpretation of that veteran's story. Is that sort of it in a nutshell? Uh, I hope I didn't, I didn't shortchange anything, did I, Joe? No. Okay. So the prints, ultimately, that are made by the artists of, as their interpretation of the veteran's stories from as far ago, long ago as World War II, and certainly currently, 
where do those prints go? I know you touched on that, Joe, but can you remind us again? Yeah, uh, so currently we have exhibitions at Walter Reed National Military Medical Center. We also have an exhibition up at the Rutherford B. Hayes Presidential Library Museum, and as well as American Frame in Toledo, Ohio, where we also did a auction and benefit for the UVAC project. And so, Lee, this this goes to your answer earlier about filling in the gap between the military and civilian life, yes? Yeah. So, well, you had talked about, um, you know, the 1%, right? Yes. Um, only 1% of the population serves in the military. And so we really do think of EVAC as an education project. Yes. That people can learn, maybe, <laughs> about conflicts from the news or from history, but often that is in a very uh, kind of broad view, where our, our stories are from individuals and from their real lived experience. So EVAC Project is a way for people to really humanize those headlines that you talked about. Yes. How does, you know, the surge that was talked about um, in Iraq actually affect the people who are there. Yeah. And hopefully EVAC provides some of those answers. What about, I know you give the, a, a copy of the print, or in, in the case of printmaking, they're all original, so not calling right. them a copy, but you give that print to the veteran's family. How does that, um, I've lost my train of thought. I'm going to come back to that one because that was a good question. But let's go for now. This this requires, I know it's 21st century, and you guys are very adept in, in uh, uh, digital audio recordings and communicating with artists of all personalities, etc. But you actually have to physically travel, or you choose to, for uh, the this project, the Experiencing Veterans and Artists Collaboration Project, which is what EVAC stands for. How are those travels going and what do you what do you do why do you travel do you speak publicly what are you doing a lot of the traveling is to either present panel discussion or at a conference but it's also to set up the actual exhibitions so we traveled to reagan national airport to actually set up an exhibition there and in january we're going to be going back to move it from reagan to dulles international airport so a lot of the traveling is trying to get people aware of the project and get it in front of civilians so that they can actually experience some of these experiences that the veterans have actually shared with us. Hmm. Where do things stand now? What, what's your progress report for us for uh, EVAC? I know you're inspired, but are you feeling like you're on the right track at the right pace? Lee? Well, I think that um, we have had like a really a tremendous response to this project. I mentioned that it's only been a year and it's been quite a whirlwind of a year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the last time we were in DC when we, when we met you at Walter Reed, the day before we, Joe and I went to meet with the director of the army museum network. Wow. And as we were driving on to the base of Fort Belvoir, I just remember telling Joe, I never in my life would have thought that I'd be driving onto an army base. Hmm. So this project started as a, you know, started as a series of conversations and have really has turned into a national project. We have over 50 um, veteran storytellers and over 50 
participating artists, mm-hmm. and we are recruiting more all the time. We do have several venues, as Joe mentioned, booked for 2019 and beyond, mm. and we're really exploring other ways to bring EVAC and to share EVAC. We're talking with a local Toledo school about if we can bring it there in some form. So we are thinking about, yes, EVAC is primarily a traveling exhibition, mm-hmm. but are there other ways that we can use the story and art to further the mission about educating the public? Well, I like the idea of schools. I think um, I always b- believe the earlier you can catch a human being and give them such vital foundation, educational foundation about society in total, the better we all are. We're finally at least beginning to appreciate first responders, sadly because they seem to be needed more and more. There is a growing appreciation for first responders, but we don't think of the military as first responders, and of course they are. Historically, they are. How do you feel about that, Joe? Well, (laughs) I, I do agree with the fact that they are kind of first responders in a more broader sense of kind of a worldwide kind of view of it rather than local. Yes. One of the things that I find interesting is that I think getting, presenting it to a younger audience will allow them to experience it in a different way Mm -hmm. because a lot of the artists that we are recruiting, they have an experience because someone in their family has served in the military in some way. Mm -hmm. So, and a lot of the artists that we have have shared kind of who they know that has been in the military. And a lot of them, it's World War II, grandfather, Mm. you know, father was in Vietnam. I have a friend that's serving now. And I think that getting them at a younger age kind of brings it to light before all of that, because I think the younger generation isn't going to have that experience as much as people that are, you know, my age, the age, mm-hmm. your age. Mm-hmm. So I think making sure that it's still relevant is kind of at the top of our list. Sure. Well, I, you know, as I mentioned, uh, I think probably, I am a veteran and I was able to sing. So I, I served with the Army Field Band, the Soldiers Chorus, and indeed started the Soldiers of Song. And, and that was quite an experience but I, what I remember most about my service was when I was in basic training, knowing pretty much I wasn't going to Vietnam, although nothing's, nothing's guaranteed with the Army. But, um, but everyone in my squad, I achieved a certain rank in, in basic training, and um, I had a squad. But knowing that each one of those men uh, was going to Vietnam, it was inevitable. And... That sort of still weighs on me because I was transferred in a little late and and the drill sergeant made each of the men in my squad give me one of their wooden hangers in which they had already carved their names. So for years, I had those hangers in my closet. So it's it's important that people hear these kinds of stories and make it a part of their life. Okay, Lee, clearly you two have shared and explained the mission of EVAC. What current goals do you have? What current goals are in place? Sounds like you're going to branch out. You mentioned that. What are some of those goals to accomplish this fantastic mission of yours? Lee. 
Um, well, as I said, we're we're expanding our um, exhibition venues. Um, one of the things that we're trying to do with the venues that we can is include more speaking opportunities. So things like the panel discussion at Walter Reed mm. or um, workshops so that, again, the exhibition becomes the focal point of a whole host of activities that could further our mission. Mm-hmm. Um and we're also continuing to partner with different organizations. So we've been talking with Women in the Military Memorial, which is mm. in D.C. Yes. We've interviewed about eight female veterans, and they're helping us find women who served in the Vietnam era. And um, we hope to have an exhibition at the memorial there when we have kind of a, a greater number of female veterans so we're continuing to expand our partnerships which to you know further the the recognition of evac but also to to fill in some of those gaps that joe was talking about Mm -hmm. and a way to expand the idea that art and storytelling and veterans and artists can work together which most people don't see very often as Mm -hmm. as something that's viable Especially when it comes to the Vietnam vet, they were certainly not welcomed home as other veterans, but that too is changing. But I do remember the question I thought of and forgot. I've remembered it again, and that is you, you're getting a great response, it seems to me, from the veterans, from the artists, from the public, as I witnessed at Walter Reed attending, even though that, that public was military. I, I wonder how are the upper echelons of leadership, of rank, in the military. Are you getting any recognition, encouragement uh, uh, from the Joint Chiefs or the Pentagon? How is that piece of what you're doing uh, getting a response? Joe, do you want to take that one? Currently we have a proposal into the Pentagon to Uh have an exhibition at the Pentagon, so that response has been well. I mean, there hasn't been a lot of negative. I mean, I think what we're doing is positive in the light of trying to basically bring this to not just military bases, Mm -hmm. but also to an airport where millions of civilians are going to see it as well. So there's an appreciation, I think, on both ends. Each one has kind of its own challenges, but along with that, I think that they can both see kind of the merit of it and appreciate it in kind of their own way. Okay. We probably should go soon. I think the clock is ticking. But tell us, Lee, about Giving Tuesday, NWO, especially as it pertains to EVAC. Sure. So we and other nonprofit organizations in Northwest Ohio, which is the NWO, NWO. Mm -hmm. have partnered with the Toledo Community Foundation to try to promote Giving Tuesday. Giving Tuesday, as I'm sure you know, is in response to Black Friday and Cyber Monday to encourage people to do charitable giving. And we have a goal to raise money to fund the Dulles Airport exhibition. No surprise, every exhibition costs a certain amount of money because there are some capital costs of framing and shipping artwork involved. And so as an all-volunteer nonprofit organization, We really rely on donations to try to get those expenses covered. Okay, well, speaking of that then, 
In addition to Giving Tuesday, there's a website that where we can visit, find out more, and make donations, get involved. Joe? Uh, www.evacproject.org. Okay. Is our website. And what you can do you, also follow. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you tell us. We can also find you on Facebook. Is that what you're going to say? Facebook and Instagram, yes. Okay. <laughs> and, and what's your Instagram handle? Uh, at EVAC Project. Okay. EVAC. Uh, EVAC. Yes. Um, uh, Lee, any parting words? I mean, what is it you want us? And I ask you because. You, I believe, uh, mentioned women in the military. Even now, we sometimes forget that women are very much involved in the military these days. Tell us, um, what do you want us to take away? What, what's the, this conversation and what you guys are doing? What should we carry around with us? Well, I really believe that stories are the way that we understand other people's experience. You know, we are all, as you mentioned, individuals. We all live totally different lives, but we are connected through our stories. Mm. So I really hope that people do go to the website and look at the portfolio where there are the veteran stories and artwork so they can see and experience, at least virtually, some of this work for themselves. Yes. And Joe, you want to add to that? Well, I mean, <laughs> the biggest thing that I can kind of say is that the stories that we're getting are a wide range. Mm. It's not just of war and death. We have, you know, times where there is no war and it's them basically doing the day-to-day grind. Mm. So it's not all about kind of just capturing experiences of war. We try to focus on kind of what is the military experience from kind of all different avenues. Mm -hmm. And those are all presented through our kind of portfolio that's online. Okay. And I guess it's a good time for me to remind people that EVAC stands for Experiencing Veterans and Artists Collaboration. That's the project. Between the veteran and the artist, we, we educate and enlighten the public. You know, it's been an absolute pleasure to to have you two on. Uh, Jovan Kirkhoff and Lee Fernside Ah, uh, it. Uh, we've again reminding everyone that Evac Project Inc. is a 501c3 organization. We hope you will visit the website, find out more about them, and donate. Even exhibitions that are marvelous educations require some expenses to be covered, as Lee told us. So, one more time, that um, website, please, Joe. It's www.evacproject.org. Okay. Thank you so very much, Lee and Joe, for being on the show today. We wish you all the very best, okay? Thanks for having us. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye now. And now, another film rental discovery. Welcome to the Indie Film Minute. Do you know the French actress Melanie Laurent? Likely not by name. But you will have seen her in Inglorious Bastards, or as Ewan McGregor's love interest in Beginners. The Day I Saw Your Heart succeeds largely due to Laurent's presence and that of Michel Blanc, who plays her father, Eli. Never quite able to communicate well with his girls, he is more often than not in trouble for his insensitive jokes and utterances. 
daughter Justine, played by Laurent, moves from relationship to relationship, never quite clicking with her many loves. But when she is done with them, Eli takes them on as the sons he never had. Unbeknownst to Justine, he brings them into his business and they become his golf buddies. Now 60 and feeling his age, Eli and his new wife are having another child. The girls just don't understand. Why another child for a man who has no feeling for the children he has? The Day I Saw Your Heart is one of those airy relationship comedies the French are so good at. It thrives on subtle, touching, and amusing moments and rises above the norm due to its wonderfully expressive leads. The Day I Saw Your Heart, not in theaters, discovery through rental. Hello, I'm Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, thanking you for joining us and becoming one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. America's Mission Possible, Standing Together Post-Trump-Pence. We can all accept that rising to Lincoln's standard every day, though a worthy Mr. Smith goes to Washington goal, may be a hurdle too high for most. But how did America's GOP, after the lessons of Nixon's Watergate and the 1974 midterm elections, go from George Herbert Walker Bush to a trumped federal government in search of a state TV network? How is it that 86% of Republicans still support Donald Trump enough to vote to inflict him on their children's future? What is it that keeps so many hard-working Americans resisting the evolution that is upon us, still expecting a trumped-up six-figure income from a coal industry that has largely abandoned them? Why don't liberals understand rural families need hunting rifles to protect them from carnivores? And why don't conservatives acknowledge owning protective handguns does not justify packing AR-15 type rifles? As Michael Cohen confesses, Trump's team pleads guilty and Matt Whitaker joins Mike Pence in duck and cover, how do believers justify worshipping a man whose entire life is the evil twin of Holy Scripture? Is there a marriage of convenience between an American fixated on a president fixated on a Moscow tower and the Americans getting current events updates from social media platforms and late-night stand-up comics? Could that beget children who grow up to imprison children? Listen, people have been deceived before by false prophets, claiming they are the only one who can remedy all problems. Remembering the McCarthy era, why can't we see enemies vilified by such men are created to distract disciples while they amass secret foreign prophets? After all, foreign and domestic empire building isn't new. Historically, it conjures brother against brother to manipulate the proletariat feeling ignored into investing faith in apathetic emperor wannabes. Can we still miss the point that anyone who told we the people via our media the same lies Michael Cohen told Congress are as complicit as Republicans on the House Judiciary Committee who chose visions of grandeur and on-camera grandstanding over FBI vetting, constitutional law, and common sense? In the new year, may we emulate POTUS 35 and 41, choosing history-making collaborative accomplishments over juvenile victory laps. 
We may never touch the hearts or reach the minds of those who long for a whitewashed time of white hoods, white supremacy resurrecting a South rising to the depths of James Fields, Jr., Brian Kemp, and Cindy Hyatt Smith. But we can understand that most who believed in the mastery of our current Pied Piper-in-Chief voted seeking to be heard, not herded, through the debris of oil wars and Great Recession. Although a river of greed, bigotry, and apathy runs through it, the Trump administration, organization, and family are merely the visible pathology atop our history of self-deception. From Two Lakes Japanese Americans to South American refugee children interned in Tornillo, Texas tents. From Emancipation Proclamation to the Solid Democratic South. From JFK and LBJ to the Solid Republican South. From Jim Crow to Dixiecrats. From 1966 University of Texas Tower shooting to Sandy Hook, Pulse, Parkland, and Las Vegas. From Nixon's Southern strategy to Watergate and treason. From Reagan's mistakes were made to Bush-Cheney-Wolfowitz Iran. From dishonesty of both political parties to K-Street rental of too many politicians. And from Putin's crowning a double-dealing pathological prince in his own image. To an American plague of ruthless anti-American human chicanery. Mike Flynn, Paul Manafort, Sally Huckabee Sanders, Kellyanne Conway, Kirsten Nielsen, Scott Pruitt, Ryan Zinke, Stephen Mnuchin, Mike Pompeo, Rudy Giuliani, Devin Nunes, and the enabler of pedophile pimps, Alec Acosta. Despite Trump deal, $50 million Moscow penthouse for Putin, for ultimate in world power, it's not just the lust for moneyed power, it's their believing we're dumb enough to fall for it. Especially when some of the people, some of the time, do. But regardless of political party, holding ourselves and all those we elect accountable for everyone is the best definition of justice for all. The danger, however, is being addicted to media obsession with Donald Trump, we aid and abet his desired government-run TV network, because the Russian project was real, and Brett Kavanaugh's House Judiciary Republicans supremely tucked it away. Beware, no people believing ignorance of their nation's history, secrecy, and laws can avoid losing their freedom. However, committing to what we're for, who we elect, reflects us. But to define us, we must continually deliver on the mission of America's promise. Thank you, and join us. Become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Thank you for continuing to listen to, support, and share the Reasonable Voice Blog Talk Radio with family and friends, especially online. We enjoy hearing from you, and in response, yes, we are now accepting new company and business advertisers and welcoming organizations seeking to be one of our sponsors. So please do continue to email us at thereasonablevoice at gmail.com. However, if you prefer to simply make a donation, your donations are greatly appreciated and can be made through PayPal by clicking on the donate button found at the top of the homepage of the Reasonable Voice. Website. Thank you for joining us today to make every day as reasonable as possible. We hope you will download and share our downloadable podcasts. I'm Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, hoping you will become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world.